0: Okay. You and I have talked about Brian Colangelo on and off like over the years now. And um, you like him. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm actually, I mean, me not liking him, I guess I would have been really obvious. I mean, I could, I, I mean, I will rattle off like the points and I, I, but I, cause I feel like he's just not aged well, certainly as the GM of Toronto, but in general, which is a separate matter altogether. But Why are you so pro Calangelo? I'm going to guess that you're in the minority, right? Like most people you know are not pro calangelo right?
1: Yeah. um, Okay, it's either an unpopular view, but it's also like a who cares view. And I'm more in the who cares camp of Brian Calangelo. You're probably going to hit me with like facts and figures. And I'm like that weird like climate denier that said like, "Well, it was snowing yesterday, Jason. So where's your global warming now, right? (laughs) That's kind of... That's kind of gonna be okay. my Brian Colangelo take my overarching claim with Brian Colangelo is that um if you picture an eatery or a club and it gets like a bit of a face paint gets a new promoter and it's it's kind of still the same thing the guy hasn't really done it well but he's classed it up a bit and that's what he did um I actually think there's a little bit more substance to what Brian Colangelo did he did he wasn't just like you know look at an eight by ten. I think that um, he actually did some substantive things that I think do age well. I would say that I don't think you get from Brian Colangelo to Tim Laiwiki to Masayu Jerry unless he was that bridge because okay. I think he had a few things going for him. He's basketball royalty. Um, his name carries weight. His, um, his previous role prior to Raptors was a successful run even though it didn't end in a championship. Now we might look... Um, we 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 might differ on that, but guess what? Um, You know who, who the fuck was Masai Ujiri before Toronto as well? He didn't get anywhere. He probably got as far as Colangelo did um with Phoenix. Um Sorry, uh, Masai Ujiri probably just did as much with the Nuggets that Colangelo did with the Suns. So um, oh, he did a lot with the Nuggets, right? They, I mean, he okay, well, so did Colangelo, okay. right? Okay, well, maybe let's not maybe let's not compare resumes in their previous okay. roles, but the point is, it, it's comparable. Um, uh Phoenix Suns, those were memorable teams. Those were the teams that you want to like, as soon as you got like NBA 2K, you want to be the Phoenix Suns, right? So they they did have that cachet to them. And we were getting a guy who was kind of, um, I forget what the circumstances for leaving Suns, but it's not like they were having losing seasons prior to him coming to Toronto. He was, they were on an upward trajectory or at least plateau. Right. And so here he is in Toronto. So I think that, um, um, okay, so I might be contradicting myself because I said when talking about the arts that you can be Nicolas Cage and you can make a few epic movies and who cares what you do further in life in terms of film projects. It's not going to ruin your reputation. And And I said that in sports, you can actually ruin your reputation by what you did in the last couple of years. I'm actually saying Brian Colangelo is a little bit different because Toronto is different. Toronto's expectations are different. I don't think until Tim Liawicki came and Masai Jerry came that we knew that we had that next level in terms of a basketball market. Um, you know, sure. I, I actually think it's circumstantial that all those pieces came. I mean, it, we had the right suitors. We had again someone like Liawicki who had you know was just uh, the, the guy was in, um, just had the. Minus touch in California with the teams that he was running, and then we got him um, out of the blue. So I like to think that a Colangelo era executive uh, uh, had something to do with Toronto then leveling up more. So Colangelo was level up from mm. uh, Grunwald and Babcock, and then we got. I'm n- nowhere in this podcast. Am I going to say that? he is in any way, shape, better than Masai Ujiri. Or if he was given um, the opportunity that Masai Ujiri got in a Tam Laiwiki-led um, MLSC that he would have done exactly, right? Because I think there's situations where, like, um, you know, if, if you're given Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, you could, you might win a couple championships. Maybe you don't win as much as Phil Jackson, but, like, a lot of people could probably do well with those teams. I'm not saying that um, Brian Clangelo could have done what Masai Ujiri did, But I also don't think Masai Ujiri could have done anything different, really, than what Brian Colangelo was given. You might disagree with me on that because you think he's done some terrible things Mm -hmm. with picks and whatever. But I think that the landscape being Toronto, what it was, I still think it was a lame market at the time. And it's still, you know, say what you want about Toronto. Yeah, they won one championship, but I, you know, they're not, there's... I'd say in terms of desirable cities, they're still in the lower 15 than they are the top 15. That might hmm. be the most unpopular take I, I have.
0: And I okay. don't think that
1: changes with, I think that changes a little bit with Colangelo being in charge and certainly Maasai, but not all that much. So what I'm trying to say is that Toronto, yeah, they can do better with a better GM, but not that much better. And I think we were going to get that mixed success with Colangelo. and I just think that he classed the place uh, up, man. And um, I think if you're grading on a curve, then he gets full marks, in my opinion.
0: So, okay. I hear, I kind of see what you're saying here. Um, Babcock did some damage. I mean, there was a change in ownership, I think, from the the in- team inception to, by the time, Rob Babcock was the GM. I think there was actually a change in ownership. I, MLSE, I think they took it over around like 2002 or so, it could be, uh, mm-hmm. might have, wrong. and that's when it's things start to sort of go into a bit of a tailspin and they just mismanaged VC team act like we talked about in the past. And so you're right. It's, it's the wilderness, the allure of this. Oh, look at the novelty of this new franchise is gone. Now it's just the shit team in this really cold city. I mean, it's cold when it's the basketball season, who cares about the summer? So then Colangelo. Okay. Yes, he had his success in Phoenix. He had um, the Executive of the Year Award. Then there's Robert Sarver who comes in, new ownership. It's not clear to me if there was more money. I'm going to guess that MLC was forking out more money, which is why Colangelo went over to Toronto. And immediately, yeah, he brings the shine and the credibility of the Colangelo family name, his royalty, to this franchise in Toronto. There's the rebranding, which they think is going to help Toronto calling it Canada's team and the red they go with from the purple and the Maple Leafs and all that stuff I was not I was not a fan of that at all that's because of my own personal views of the country versus the city but do you think that the your view of Colangelo bringing that credibility to Toronto is in large part because a yes he had that cachet that already B not necessarily through his own work, but they did go on a like a, on a bit of a tear in, initi- in like when they first came in. And because of that, there was all this hope and promise of where the team was going to go.
1: Do you think that was part of it? Uh, I'm, I'm not understanding your question. Are you trying to say, are you like, asking me what, what Colangelo's involvement was, what their initial success when he came well, in? Well, I mean, the way you're viewing Colangelo,
0: how he was needed, um, cause I felt the same way when this was when I started to get back into the league following it, like Colangelo, he brings this credibility to the team. Yes. Because of his previous success in Phoenix. And there was this initial success with the Raptors when he comes in, like in that first year or so, but then it was just slow decline over the time. So it just seems like, like by the time Masai comes in later. Like to me, like whatever credibility that Calangelo brought in, it was just shot. That was, that's the way I see it. I mean, I'm kind of sort of lukewarm. I'm, I'm, I was, I was initially would have thought I was been opposed, but I'm sort of on the fence maybe to the point that you raised, which is he might be the GM that was needed for that time. At first, as you were going through your bit, I'm like, this is a really compelling argument that you're making. But then I, now that I'm talking, I'm like, here's my, here's my point is yes, everything you're saying is true. But it was all encapsulated in like two thousand seven, eight. But he was still the GM in the years that followed, and he had all that equity that he just squandered over the next few years. Okay, that,
1: so that's, but that—that's so that's the concern that I and I think other people have with him. Okay, so he was miscast again, not his fault. Um, if you thought the wheels were coming off, don't give him like an eight-year run or whatever the hell it was. Like that's—that's that's actually not. <laughs> I'm almost like, uh, uh like he's showing up to work. Someone can terminate his work. Maybe he's a better project manager than he is like, you know, um, than than a steady employee that's going to put in your 15 years. Right. He's, he's not, um, he's not Donnie Walsh, you know, let's just, you know, speaking about him. So if, if like, if he's squandering picks and he's not, you know, and he's not, uh, he doesn't have the mightest touch anymore then. um, you're asking me if that tarnishes his legacy. I guess, yeah, in a way. But I'm almost like, well, someone better did not come along. Like, timing is everything. You got. You, uh, here's Toronto sports in 2005, 2006. The Jays suck. The Leafs <laughs> suck. ML, um, uh, TFC, I think they came in like 05. They suck. Um, there's, there's nothing going. The Expos are dead. Um, you know, everything just sucks. And Colangelo, what Colangelo did was he was so media friendly. My God, he was everywhere on fan radio. They all loved him. MLS loved him. Um, you know, the, the guy was just—you remember that that voice of his? It was just like velvet and all. Um, l- let, me, let me let me see. Let me see. Let me see if I can like. Let me see if I can like uh, uh, crystallize the allure that he had. Because you really have to think of him as like this weird hybrid of like, I don't know if you watch The Office, but uh, the character Robert California that came in the later years, like he just (laughs) weird kind of, he had like, so uh, Brian Klenger like kind of looked like Kevin Costner, taller, he kind of had this like Eric Bischoff meets like Robert California from The Office just had this weird wit and charm. There was a story that you might not be aware of that was actually uh, squashed and actually probably led to um, him having a rocky relationship with the score. Um, I don't know if you know his name, Nick Kiprios. He was a former leave turned hockey analyst. Oh, yeah, yeah. He reported that MLSE, because they were not happy with Brian Burke, who... Brian Burke, like, actually did win a Stanley Cup. And the reason why Toronto wanted him was because he did have that Stanley Cup cachet. And he was Mr. Hockey at the time. He was supposed to be the next Don Cherry, but a little bit more book smart. Um, They were not happy with him. The rumor that Nick Kiprios broke was that Brian Colangelo was going to be the president of both Toronto Maple Leafs hockey and the (laughs) Toronto Raptors. Because the way they figured was... He was so good at basketball because he knows how to like put the right people yeah. in the right place that it's it's it, uh, he just has to manage Toronto yeah. hockey. Him, like he, yeah. exactly, and that was the idea, and he broke that story um he got in a lot of hot water. I knew some people at the time who who knew the inner workings, and like he was forced to get back, but the story was absolutely true that they were at least considering it at the time um so
0: okay, so, I yeah. get it. he came in with that hype here's the thing he's a bit like. There's this corporate CEO type who comes into a tech company. He himself is like, all right, I'm just going to – he's sort of like a Steve Ballmer in a way, really. When Steve Ballmer – Steve Ballmer was not really – he didn't really do anything for Microsoft. Now, that share price sort of did did well. But, like, there were a lot of questionable moves, like him scoffing at, oh, the iPhone. Who's going to buy the iPhone? Um, he just uh, – it's just – Colangelo has run off of a reputation, but he hasn't really produced anything. He had his good run in Phoenix. But let me go through, let me, let's go through a bit of like what, let's, let's parse through his record in Toronto a bit. Let's
1: do Greatest it. Greatest
0: hits. First, just, these was, this is, these are just a little few snacks on like, this is what he's done. He He gets rid of Sam Mitchell, who I also didn't really like, but he replaces him with Jay Triano. It's like, I don't know what his credibility was.
1: I don't understand that move at all. So he goes through De Triano. Finally Come on, you, you, don't, you don't understand that move? Come on, man. He was going to be the first Canadian coach of the Canadian team. It was optics.
0: But that's dumb. Like, you're trying to win a game. Like, that's another thing, too. He
1: seemed to prioritize
0: this brand of, like, we're just going to get all these European players. Who There's a reason why a lot of those players were not in the NBA already. So he signs Garbo Hossa and Jamario Moon, like, off the street. Signs them off the street. Mm-hmm. Garbo's gone in, like, a couple of years after that horrific injury. Um, I mean, he was never quite the same, never got his way back into the rotation. Jamario Moon showed his laziness, like why he really was always going to be this German human who was going to be in and out of the league. Okay, Bargnani, it's okay to draft that guy number one, but here's the one instance why for Toronto is questionable. When Bosch, for whatever reason, and only years later came out in his, in his one interview, saying, yeah, he knew LaMarcus Aldridge from high school because they, like, they played in Texas in the same circles. He was kind of in a way, maybe hoping and curious, like, would these guys play together? I'm like, wouldn't that have been a good op? Like, that should have just been, I would have been top of mind. I don't know. Like, that would have been really different. I, I just like that to me is kind of unforgivable. For whatever reason, Ho- consistently over the years, Jose Calderon was always in these point guard battles with whatever point guard of the time. TJ Ford. T. J. Ford. Jared Jared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, TJ Ford, Jarrett Jack, and later Jared B. Here's the thing. Every single time, I'm like, well, you're going to get rid of Calderon. His trade value is up. You can trade him away. Get him something. Every single time, he kept Calderon. I don't know what happened here. Jared Jack, by the way, was Chris Bosh's teammate at Georgia Tech. I would think, like, why wouldn't you just keep Jared Jack? Now, as far as I understood, they are in good terms. It was just, to me, it didn't make sense, Eight Calderon, from a basketball perspective, why you thought this guy was going to be a cornerstone, like, uh, one of the top one or two players on this team that was ever going to do anything. His trade value is up. Trade him. Okay, that was just some quick hitters. How about the two biggest like signings slash like pieces that that really were are gonna be the mark of his legacy as the GM of the Raptors? Jermaine mm-hmm. O'Neal and Nito Turkaloo, right? That's mm-hmm. what I want to put Jermaine at the end there. So Jermaine, okay, to revisit the trade. It was TJ Ford for Jermaine O'Neill with like other players. Like there was other stuff thrown into the deal, which we'll cover in a little bit. Okay. I mean, I'm okay with I was I was definitely optimistic about that trade. I'm like, great, we're getting pieces. This is Toronto's growth. We're getting a real player. He's going to play with Bosch. Like they're going to it's going to be twin towers. Like this is before the, you know, the three-point era. And you know, they're going to work with it. It's talent. And he's a multiple-time All-Star. I mean, I don't know how many players we've had who have had this kind of cachet. So, I mean, fine, he never really found a stride. Maybe his his athleticism was was not at the same level. But it was like Let's just quick pull to trigger. I think he, there's just a bit like Daryl Morey would have would have gotten a better trade. All it was was Sean Marion, who was the, when he traded him away with a couple of years was Jermaine O'Neal with Jamario Moon to Miami for Sean Marion and Marcus Banks, who I kind of forget who he is. Sean Marion. So basically, you're trading Jermaine O'Neal for Sean Marion. I'm like, how did you go from we got this multiple time All Star within a couple of years to being like we're just gonna get Sean Marion, who was is gonna be a free agent that season. Like, I get that Jermaine might have been on the downside and you want to get rid of him. But I think that a better GM would have figured out a better trade than Sean Marion, who leaves. Okay. So then are you gonna say something about
1: Jermaine O'Neill there? I'm just gonna say something about everything that you've just said, which okay, is that this is to Toronto. You. This is Toronto in two thousand and six. There are no better choices than Toronto. No, no, no. Then you
0: know, we're talking about signing free trade signing free agents. I'm talking about trades.
1: So I, I, I I still think there's, I, I think in terms of moves, you have to view it through the lens that, say there's, um say like the New York Knicks, okay, in 2006 have five, uh, say 10 coaching options, wait 10 trade sorry. options, 10 free agent options. Toronto has like a fraction of all those wait, options. Wait, wait. So you're trying to so though, not signing like here's the thing well, the, the, about, like, the point yeah. the, the, the point is the probability of choice reduces because so you're asking brian colangelo what i'm just trying to keep all of our listeners in mind is i understand you're you're rattling off his is uh his greatest hits but i'm also trying to like contextualize it, saying like but this is still Toronto in the, the day even um say, say daryl mori right he just would have had to thread a better needle than what brian colangelo did that's all i'm trying to say so
0: he would have gotten a better uh, trade. You well, wouldn't we have traded a six-time All-Star for Sean Marion. Um, before I say that, I want to see how many All-Star games Sean Marion made, actually. Oh, I can't I was pay. just like I, I was like, I couldn't believe he pulled that trade. Like, what kind of trade is this? Why are we getting Sean Marion? He made four All-Star games. Okay. Hito Turkoglu. After one year, they, they mismanaged Hito as a talent who wants out of Toronto. After getting him as a free agent, which was remarkable, you got this guy who mm-hmm. was stellar in the finals and he chose Toronto. And then there were, the Toronto media loved like, "Oh, look at this, we're this hotbed for international talent cuz of this diversity." Like, okay, you know what? Stop branding yourself as not American. You're just going to mean that all the American talent doesn't want to complain in your city. Stop start trying to advertise. I was at the time this is a tangent thinking, "Why can't you just brand your city as not Canadian?" And make it as its own entity. So then more talent actually wants to go to your city, which, quite frankly, is actually Toronto's done a much better job of in the last, say, five, six years, to be honest. um So I didn't agree with that. Anyway, so he does with Toronto, doesn't work out. After one year, they trade him for Le- All we get back after he goes to Phoenix is Leandro Barbosa and Dwayne Jones. So we go from a guy who was like a top two, three player in the finals to Leandro Barbosa. And then one and a half years later, Leandro Barbosa is traded to the Pacers for a future second round pick. And that was the moment Calangelo lost me. Okay. Before you comment on that, can I go through his trade history? Because I, I was just always aghast at trade night, draft night, when I didn't understand what the Raptors were doing. Can I go go for that? it, man. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2007. Okay. They had, do you know how many picks they had in 2007? They had no, no clue. Picks. Yeah, no picks at the end. Number twenty-two. They could
1: have had Jared Dudley.
0: Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait
1: a minute. Wait a minute, Wait a minute. You're 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 leaving something out. Is that his? Um, is that his fault or Babcock's fault that they have no picks in 07? Um, you know what? That's a, Okay. Fair point. That might.
0: Hold on a second. Two thousand seven. No, no. This was him. This was him. He traded because he traded out. Uh, second-round pick, Eric Williams and Matt Bonner for Rosho Nesterovich. Right? Mm -hmm. So they had no picks. Now, they could have had Jared Dudley for one of those picks, who was a trade piece. I mean, you can use this talent in other trades, even if they're not going to be your player. You can find another GM who will value them. But what they did do is they acquired another player in that draft, the 58th pick, Georgios Prisantis. I don't know how to say his name. He's from Greece. That pick in 2008, that was a 2008 pick. That was 45th pick, who would later become Goran Dragic. Okay. (laughs) 2008, in the trade, they traded away the 17th pick with TJ Ford to Jermaine O'Neal. They got back the 41st pick. The 41st pick was was Nathan Jawai. Do you know who the 17th pick was in 2008? No clue. Roy Hibbert. So the Patriots Mm. got Roy Hibbert. They so basically he's sacrificing all these picks. Okay, like it's like a 2009. Okay, great. He gets Demar number 10. He give okay, when he when he um got Carlos Delfino on the Raptors, he actually gave up two picks. One of the picks that they lost in the earlier years was because of the Carlos Delfino trade and then another pick that they lost in 2009 was uh the 39th was Jonas Horaplo. Okay. I'm not saying that these guys obviously the guy didn't last, like last he wasn't like a, a like a long time veteran in the league but if you remember these names at those times they were assets to these teams they were cons- you could actually turn them into like potential trade pieces so that's that's the issue that I'm having here like carlos Delfino, I'm like, all right, I don't know what carlos Delfino did after the raptors okay and then I'll then you get to 2010 they acquire solomon alibi for they give away a second round pick for solomon alibi um 2011 okay they get jonas valanciunas who ended up being good but he was not going to play for the raptors for a couple years the thirty okay the 33rd pick was what they gave away as part of that delfino trade who turned out to be kyle singler so jonas surepko kyle singler again like i think that could have still been trade trade worthy. I don't know. I'm I'm like I'm kind of on the fence there. I'm not. It's not one I'm gonna die on. You can convince me I'm wrong there, but I'm just saying you give you give up two of those guys for Carlos Delfino. It's like they're really all the same kind of level of player. You give up two for one. That's the problem I had. Twenty twelve. Um, the fifty. Okay, Terrence Ross, Quincy Ac. All right, all right. You know what? Like, okay. The fifty six. The fifty six pick was um was what they got for the Barbosa trade. So I saw a pattern of just gradual degradation of all the assets. It's like you buy a house instead of upgrading it, maintaining it, improving it with renovations over the years, you just let it turn to shit by the time mm. you get the end of the of the 5 years. Like he, like Colangelo was everything you said he was when he came in. And then I just basically walked through the chronology of how he he basically Somehow his brand still stayed up there. Like he never he because he's so media friendly, it's bit like the Chris Paul of GMs, like the media liked him. He was always like on point. He never really got criticized that badly, to be honest, over the years. It was just me. I felt like we didn't like him. And then finally Masai comes in, he's like, This is how we do it, son, and then he's out. And then we haven't really gonna really talk about his time in, in in Philadelphia, but what did he really do there? He traded out of the number three pick where he could have had Jason Tatum to the number one pick. He gave away a pick. Just to get to number one, there's two slots up. Like, just for Markel Fultz, like I don't know. It just,
1: you got like, Ben Simmons, though, right? You drafted uh, Simmons. I think he did.
0: I thought Ben Simmons was drafted before him. Let's see about that.
1: I think he drafted Simmons. That was his big draft pick.
0: <laughs> no, Markel Fultz was his first pick, I thought. Because Ben Simmons was the year before. Hold on a second. I mean, no, the question is, did he draft Ben Simmons. Well, I guess what I mean is, is that, so Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons was drafted in 2016, the 2016 draft. Brian Colangelo joined, he joined the Philadelphia 76ers in April 2016. Oh, hold on. Sorry. Sorry. My bad. You're right. He did draft Ben Simmons. Yeah. This is what, um, mm -hmm. go on. That's, that's also interesting too. When you think about this, like, okay, well, I mean, do we, does he, does he also should he also get the blame for the fact that Ben Simmons is not really, you know, meshed well with the team? Should first of all, i
1: i i think I think we still have to see the best of Ben Simmons. I think there's a redemption story there, and therefore Brian Colangelo has the best eye for talent. Um, so <laughs> I think there's uh, I think it's not the end of uh, Ben Simmons. I think he's going <laughs> to go
0: somewhere and yeah, somewhere you know, else. Okay, in- but not Philadelphia. This is the thing. He manages Philadelphia. He's not Ben Simmons's agent. Brian Colangelo here. Like you had Sam Hinkie, who him he was the management consultant who was smarter than everybody else in the room, who decided, okay, well, I'm just going to hack away at the at the collective bargaining agreement and just create a shit team and mass a certain amount of picks. And which, by the way, I I, I didn't necessarily believe that was the strategy to winning. Well, it's one strategy. It's not the only one, and it's not the one that necessarily gives you greater than fifty percent odds of winning. So why bother doing it? But with that said, Colangelo just walks right into the. This is the classic story of you have this really like brilliant founder who starts a company, and then you got this polished guy who shows up who's not really that talented who takes over the enterprise, and he's getting somewhat credit for stuff that the other guy laid the groundwork for. That's basically how I saw him in Philadelphia. So I just I just see Colangelo as this guy who he is. Like the George W. Bush of GMs. I mean, H. W. Bush was a president who ran stuff.
1: It, George W. Bush just sort of lived off his dad's name. I think he's, um, I think he's Eric Bischoff, man. I think he's. Oh yeah, that's great. He is
0: Eric Bischoff.
1: Well, I, I said he reminded okay. me of him. I mean, he, you know, what? like he 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 did some. You know, we had all right. Back to the you know cuz i remember it, i was super excited when this guy came and then i just remember his big smile when the raptors won the lottery and i i i i do not care like i you can hook up a polygraph i would if jason if i ever have um enough money to run a think tank i'm going to scour uh i'm i'm going to just scorch the earth with every media clipping because I'm sick and tired of having this conversation that there was, like, not consensus when it came to, like, King Bargnani. Apart from your little anecdote about Chris Bosch. Okay, maybe someone should have listened to Chris Bosch And maybe Aldridge was the guy they should have maybe considered. But I was or here. I was living it. I was watching media trend, every right? day.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, but no one didn't say not to get Bargnani. Like it was just like, you know, everyone was just ready for this guy to come, this Italian and everyone was excited. That's, That's another thing too. Not only was he consensus, but people were excited about him because, um, yeah, they kind of did brand him like another dirk, but they were also like tepid in saying that. But anyways, um that that's that's a pet project for like I'm gonna be yeah. a bored millionaire one day instead of like investing in Peter or some stupid cause like that. I'm just gonna go back to like media clippings of of um the 2006 draft. He um so Colangelo, yeah, like you're right. He comes off as like this classic LinkedIn profile pick and um I bet you he's the type of guy that needs his like you know, suits tailored and he probably tells his assistant, like, cancel all my meetings. I can't work today because his cappuccino <laughs> from his 10 grand, the Longani machine doesn't come out right. You know, he's just like, nah, um, fuck everything today. Um, yes. Yeah, he, 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 he walks he, into the office and says,
0: ah, Sam, he doesn't have enough taste. It does just start spending money to fix his office up, get the expenses. Yeah, food. absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's just like tear down is a but tear down that wall, but sure, it's a supporting wall. I don't care. I need a better view. Like, yeah, he probably does that, too. But I don't think he's vapid either. I think he knows enough about the sport. I don't think you can't be that good at media and can't be that good. Now, what he is great is spinning because I do remember when he was talking about Jermaine O'Neill. I remember this yeah. conversation vividly. He. So the Raptors are all there. He introduces Jermaine O'Neal to the media. And um as you know my favorite baseball movie of all time is uh, is Mr. Baseball. It's when Jack Elliott's about to be um traded to um the Jap- uh, the Japanese team. Yeah. Um he goes he like yells at the coaches like why are you trading me? I led this team in ninth-inning doubles in the month of August. So Brian Colangelo comes on the podium introducing Jermaine O'Neal and he too is pulling obscure facts like Jermaine O'Neal. He was the uh, NBA Defensive Player of the Year and came in third place in 2004 NBA voting. And these were the selling points for Jermaine O'Neal. Like I just found it funny that he was picking like these like, you know, almost (laughs) achievements and like this is the best we can do. But that's but that's Toronto man that's yeah. Toronto we're scraping at the bottle at the bottom of the barrel for these guys and you yeah. know and he said the same thing about when Turkaloo came in and i will say i, I will completely um challenge you on Turkaloo because okay. so Jermaine O'Neill was just injured and he couldn't stay healthy Turkaloo just came in out of shape and you're right he probably didn't want to work with Sam Mitchell or Jay Triano at the time but let's talk about Jay Triano you know <laughs> But where was like
0: his the issue was he got felt like he got thrown under the bus by that organization. Organization you got to protect the players. You you can't like the, the Toronto has this history of throwing their stars under the bus whether it's Vince Carter,
1: um, Gino um, who else but was But he, he really to, I mean, can you think back? of a less motivated player <laughs> to come to Toronto? I mean, the last unmotivated player that came to Toronto just didn't come to Toronto at all. It was Alonzo Mourning. He said, "Fuck it, I'm not playing for you guys." Yeah. Turkaloo just took the money, came in out of shape, did the one interview where he asked for the ball, did the pizza pizza
0: injured. commercial. But I think his side is that he's been injured. It's been tough for him to get back to it. And like Toronto hasn't uh like they weren't they didn't have his back. So he felt like they weren't really on his side. They basically yeah. did the opposite of what they did with Kawhi. They protected Kawhi, they they shielded him from the media, they made sure he was completely comfortable with his like injuries and all that stuff, whatever he had to do. They did the exact opposite of like, you know what I mean? Like,
1: it just yeah. I just, I just, I just fail to see how that goes. I, I suppose because is like the head of the team. He's it's 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 on him for, um, you know how how the team is. Uh, yeah, is I, I presented. It. it all
0: starts there. It's all accountability. The way any company always starts right at the top. It's like why why would at Apple would you go to the store and and for the most part you expect this really quality service? It's because Tim Cook is literally asking these most. Detailed questions that he's expecting whoever's in the room to answer his question. Then that cascades a whole effect where if you're walking to that meeting, and all of a sudden you to make sure your team has given you all the information. And all of a sudden, all the way down to the most lowest levels, you have to be ready with the most obscure information because you're like, well, they're going to get asked. So it's like, and then if there's a the follow-up, there's the accountability. So that's how it starts with Colangelo and Jordan. I don't know what's Jordan doing in Charlotte because he must be maybe he's like Colangelo, but you know. Um, My
1: father-in-law just told me that Jordan's in Croatia right now on his private yacht, giving away um like five hundred dollar tequila balls to like a close circle of friends that 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 made like Serbian news today. Um, okay, Jordan, sighting in Croatia. Um, listen, Brian Colangelo. It's very simple for me. It's 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 very binary. It's um he was an ends to a means. Um, it, before him, it was like Isaiah Thomas, Grunwald. Um, Babcock and he whatever was the reason and also is it fair to say he had a say in getting Messiah because basically when Tim Liewicke came in he obviously got demoted as to some like <laughs> yeah, search yeah. committee. Um I'd like to think that it, it was super weird. Um I'd like to think that he had some say in, in picking um in in, in picking Messiah. I don't know it could be wrong. Maybe we'll hear that story one day. But Clanjo really is two bookends man. He came in, drafted Barnani. Barnani was good for two years. So was Bosch. Bosch left, had nothing to do with Colangelo. I think Colangelo could have built the best team possible. He could have built a version of the Indiana Pacers that would then go on to face those Miami Heat. Chris Bosch wanted to go Hollywood. He wanted to go South Beach. He had two boys playing there. Chris Bosch was going to leave Toronto no matter what. That's a Texas guy. Every comment he sent post Toronto, it really did not matter. Who was I, I agree. There. I, never,
0: I, I never really. I don't think I held that on Colangelo. My my concern was when things were not working well. What did you make? What decisions did you make after
1: that? How do you? He take, made Toronto decisions. I think he made Toronto decisions. No, but that, that's you my, can
0: you can at least maintain or improve the situation, even if incrementally. I'm not saying he was ever going to win a championship, but I'm saying you cannot take. To one dollar and turn it into eighty cents, like you—you you gotta at least turn it into one dollar and one cent with your transactions. You know what I'm saying? I think and I think then that by the time th- you're fired, you've already put the team into a better situation.
1: You're but, a business guy. You're a business guy. Say, say Toronto Raptors are publicly traded in 1996. You're telling me that Colangelo doesn't raise that stock price during doesn't. his tenure. He does. He okay. Does, good. Does. Good. Good. Oh wow! Wow! I didn't expect that answer. From he me. does.
0: Like. Okay. But here's my. The thing is, the reason it's a bit of a false thing is, all NBA team stocks just go up, over, the twenty thirty years because they've created this ecosystem. Like, it just is like one of the best performing assets. I think that there is, right.
1: So. I'm just um, thinking in terms of like cachet like desirability like i i can honestly say they're from 96 to oh. 2000 no one wanted to play in toronto then maybe they're so, like maybe they maybe they're they're maybe they're the 28th most desirable team and then with grunwald vince carter maybe they creep up to like the top 20 something tells me with colangelo there was like a top 15 you know teeter-totter moment where they might have gotten over the they might have broken through um so the midway like point with him
0: from 2000 to 2004, and then he comes – like that whole early 2000s period, the Raptors take a dive down. He raises it in his first couple of years. And then after that first couple of years, it's just a slow decline down,
1: down, down, down. And but how down does it get, though? How down you know does what? it get?
0: In all honesty, I say it actually is lower than than the time we had Vincent T-Mac. Because if you remember in 2008, 9, that period when we had Bosch, People still looked people when there was greater appreciation for for Vince like among basketball heads in Toronto like for like his abilities Cause like, oh man, like the idea that he could the super athletic guy could just go off for fifty like that actually was missing in that team, and we're like people did start to appreciate though that 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 team that made it to the Eastern Conference semifinals more. So I think that, so when there was that nostalgia, you're like, you know what, forget the Babcock, like the, the, the years that followed, because that was definitely the bottom of the barrel. But, but it's definitely like, it was, this, it's like a bit of an, it's a bit of a, like, if you think about the levels of, it goes like level, level two, then one, then three, then, then 0.5. Like, I think by the time Colangelo left, the, the cachet of the Raptors had actually dipped below where it was than when Vince and T-Mac and Oakley and those guys were running the show.
1: Okay, so what you're saying is, if I'm hearing right, I just let's focus on the lows. So to me, the low periods for Toronto is Damon Stoudemire to pre Vince. No, that was, your, that was. That don't was. Think I that was low before Vince's arrival. Okay, there I was consider low hope they, and. Well, they, they won like thirty games and twenty games and stuff like that, so I consider it low. So there were and they were playing out of the dome, okay. So that's that's a period, and then you have like this like Mike James period where he's the point guard, um, and then you have the um, and then you have the Andrea Barnani as your number one years, right before um, Demar really flourishes and then and JV and you know let's just say that's the period where it's um, Andrea Barnani is your number one. And then to really the Rudy Gay trade, okay. So the, those are your three low periods in terms of performance, where there is a general manager running those teams during those low performances. Where does his low rank in terms of Raptors' performance? Like, are you saying that uh, his that low the, is not the, the, as the,
0: low as the Babcock era? No. Okay, I'm not saying cool. that. His, okay. That's
1: still the lowest
0: point, but I'm saying he, like, he didn't maintain the high, like. He didn't maintain that high that he came in with and such that his low was still lower than like you would think that from 2001, to 2001, like where we're at that certain level that wherever you are eight, nine years later, you're going to be higher than that. But if if after that period of time, now we're lower than where we are, like the hope is the hope for the team is even lower. The the draw for other players is even lower because now not only are we not at that level, you have rebranded this team as a non-American team. You've just decided you only want European players. Where at a time when that was not the, the talent level of European players then was not what it is now. You've no. decided, like that you just you you just don't care about trying to put it on the same level as any other big market, which quite frankly it should have been. And and I think at this point it is definitely a better situation now. Like you just he just just mismanaged what he had. He had good he had goodwill good faith. And then he just Mm -hmm. again, like it's just the way you manage that team. You cannot just keep trading away all your picks for nothing. Like it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And degenerate gambler. I always call him a degenerate gambler
1: for years now. He he is a bit of a verbal gambler. And let's and piggybacking off that, how did he leave off the team? We have Demar, we have JV. If we didn't have, say, he was going to be like um, a GM for another ten years after that. I think we do okay. I don't think we get to the level where we're just, you know, magic in a bottle. Kyle Lowry, you know, a player like him comes along and he's recasted. And, you know, we just have a solid run where it's just, um, and, and it's fine. You, it's okay to lose the Cavaliers and, and, and the heat in the Eastern conference final. That's fine. I don't think we get to, to that level, but you probably have some success, you know, because hopefully he doesn't trade away at JV and, uh, and, uh, and uh DeMar DeRozan um I th- that's why I think it's a perfect run I think he just he got in and he got out and you know what I'm not fickle and I'm not impatient like these Toronto fans man like when 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 like you know it's it's and, and now I think it's even worse they've won a championship people expect that and are entitled to that every year when the Raptors were just like floundering it's just like hey man that's our team Look at the city we live in. It goes back to our views on Canadian exceptionalism. And it's like, man, just take what you want. This is a global game. You can actually cheer for whatever goddamn team you want. Follow any players you want. Your local team does not have to be the the team of choice. And, um, you know, I just think it speaks to... I think when you're... The question you hit me up with in the beginning was, you know, do you think you see... You asked me if I see... Angelo's tenure more favorably than others and the answer is yes because my expectations are just you know as long as you're not the Vancouver Grizzlies and you still have a team then that's an accomplishment because I still don't think we're quite I think we're a sports city I don't know if we're quite a basketball city we might be with the fans but certainly not the talent that comes here there's still a lot of issues that, that don't make it that so my expectations are really manageable. In terms of international talent, I think the Jays do a lot better job of getting Dominicans and making them happy and, and you know Venezuelans and, and other Latin American players who don't even speak English. Yet they come here and we kind of, you know... Um, you know why I
0: think the Jays have the advantage? It's because they tell play me. in the spring and summer. It just sucks. Like I, I, haven't lived in, I haven't lived in a winter since 2012 now. It's been almost 10 years mm-hmm. since I've had to deal with it. It makes true. me shudder. I just can't do it's it. True. And so,
1: for those guys, I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, it, is I, I, I like, it is interesting. I like the point how, you brought like, up. Though. Yeah, it is interesting, though. Like, <clears throat> you say that, but, you know, when Lou Williams was, like, listing off, like, his grievances with Toronto and people saw him as immaterial things, it's like, no, those are the things that, like, because there's a reason why people would rather play in, like, Troy, New Jersey, Minnesota. Um, like, Giannis is happy as can be, it appears, um, and you can't tell me Milwaukee's like a better city than Toronto, I mean, apart from Harley Davidson, what do they have? but um yeah, we're we we put it this way. I don't think we deserved anything better than Brian Colangelo. I think he was way too good for us and then <laughs> and then what happened was. You know what happened? just like what happened at WCW. They became like a market. It's like, oh wow, they have all these stars. Like we had Chris Bosch and we had Turkaloo and we had Jermaine O'Neill and 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 apparently Kevin Durant was Toronto's favorite team. So we might get him one day. You know, we just we we just marked out and then so, we just had to be kind of um you know uh taken down a pedestal. Um but Brian so Colangelo, man, he was he was the man when he was here and he was the right man for the job. I'll, I'll like can, I'll
0: I'll Bring your two points together because they're not mutually exclusive. Here is, is he's he's he. If we look at what he did, did he do as good as he personally could have done, or if someone in that role? I don't think so. He didn't. He actually degraded the, the asset base. The, the he degrade he degraded the team in his tenure. However, I agree with your point. He's the best that Toronto could have done. They couldn't have done anything else. He was the guy who had to bridge these eras from the shit purple dinosaur era, like the post VC era to mm-hmm. the Maasai era. He was the bridge. He was the Bret Hart of the of the Raptors. Right Hart? Absolutely. Had to bridge these eras. And he doesn't get like kind of as much recognition you know i mean yeah, they they people allowed this guy but you know they don't really think about the era he was in and there's you know definitely people always question like what was his real standing like would he really be the champ if he weren't in that era but that was what the the WWF had that is he, he you know he just worked with what he had so i get it the difference between brett and talendro is i think brett um his, he had he was able to do more and leave is better than when he left which is not what colangelo did
1: and that's my only gripe it depends because but, um, again again he did yeah. have he did leave Masai with two starters right so that's what's what's two divided by five <laughs> can't do math 40% um, of team. there you go you gave him 40 of a team yeah
0: maybe in another conversation and. we can talk about the kyle because i think the kyle lowry pick and development that's a really interesting thing like i mean messiah mm-hmm. Masai, Masai, i mean Colangelo doesn't get credit for picking or sorry for trading for Kyle because it was Colangelo who did that. But at the same time, too, I don't think both Colangelo or Masai when they traded for Kyle were thinking, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna be trading for who's gonna become the greatest Raptor of our franchise and a future Hall of Famer." That's not what that trade was about. So I don't know. That's a really interesting. That's a whole other conversation.
1: I think I think Colangelo gets you know he gets lumped in with Andrea Bargnani because the way that's the way that's aged and again, it's fans thinking that the team was destined for things in the 2000 that it just, just wasn't. I mean, we were getting killed by the Celtics when they had their big three. Um, You know, this team was just, you know, the, the nets that looked pedestrian, you know, Raptors were losing them in the first round Getting out coached. Um, the little short guy for for New Jersey was just you know, just picking us apart. Um when Sam Mitchell was coach here. Um I think he won executive of the oh, year for trial. No, not Scott Skiles, but it looks like Scott Skiles. He was there, he North was the uh, Yes. That that actually a sequence of 2006 playoffs, if I recall, it was uh, it was a Sam Mitchell play where um, Calderon tr- wanted to... Wanted to um, yeah, the lob, right? Lob, the lob, and it was just yeah. read perfectly. Short. RJ grabbed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it came down to that play, and it's like... Well, no, hold know, on. It,
0: that that was game six. They would have still had to go and win game seven, which, you know... Was it was it
1: best know. of seven at that time? Did they make it best of seven? Yeah, it was, it was best of
0: seven. Th- yeah. In any event, that, um, with the, with the I the think...
1: I, yeah, they were. And that's the thing. They 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 were outmatched. And But, you know, Colangelo, I think, feels the best team and an exciting team. And here's another thing about the Colangelo era. It was, uh, you know, why I was watching so much of it because I was listening to Chuck Sworsky's radio show and then listening to him have the call for the Raptors. And I was a Swirse guy. I fell for all that shit, all the onions and all that stuff that he was spewing out. So I romanticized about that era because I was watching a lot of basketball. I was more than satisfied with the Jays we're doing with the Leafs were doing with the Raptors we doing again. I'm not one of these like, you know, crazies out there that just thinks that like, you know, this team should be doing a lot better if we had the right guy. And, but the thing is we don't have the right guy because it's, it's Toronto. Like everything's so, you know, I, I, I don't think people give their, their head a shake. Like they, there's a reason why <laughs> we don't have like, coach pop ever consider coming to the Toronto Raptors. There's just, that's just never going to happen. I don't think we're ever going to get a, a coach like that. Well, what, what we should be lucky is that we, we get a decent uh, coach like Dwayne Casey and then his understudy who comes out of nowhere ends up being a, a, a decent coach. That's the most you can expect for at this time with this team. And it certainly was way worse back in 2006, way worse. So yeah. I might, so uh, to, to put a bow on this, I might romanticize about that era, but I'm also realistic about that era, what the circumstances were, and when people look back at oh the Bernini trade, oh, uh, <laughs> oh, Colangelo, oh, why didn't Bosch resign? Actually, he did resign. He just also left in 2010. Well, he resigned as the restricted free agent. Yeah, exactly. And people forget that too. So I, um, yeah, do I romanticize about the guy and that era? Absolutely, but. I'm also a realist. I know what other Toronto sports teams were doing. I know what the the Toronto Raptors standing was in the global sports community and it was what it was, man.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, man. That was great. Um yeah, no, man. Thanks. That was great. So, uh Yeah, it was fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't think we disagreed too much. I think I think uh, I think the points well, you made yeah. were just because 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 yeah. you you're you're an X's and O guys. You're your 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 profits and losses, and you're just like, look, man, you had this, and this was the result. Not good enough, you know. Like um, mismanagement. It's very simple for you. It's well, because we're, ta- well,
0: we're really you and I were just talking about two different things, and I was trying to bring that together. One is how did he perform as the GM in that situation. The other one was like he was still the right guy to take on. It's just that when he was there, like you know incrementally could he have done better like than just creating trades where you take a star all-star and then whittle away down to lesser stars to just picks you know what i mean like that's he did the opposite of the red paper clip man who starts with a house and he ch- trades away to get to a red paper clip you know so i've never heard that one you guys explain that to me offline oh i'll send you the link all right man okay i'll uh, i'll see you the link i'll catch you in, uh, another time take care man. cool all right